So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Eric Smolders, the Vice President for Deloitte Advisory and the Extended Treasury Solution Offering Lead at Deloitte. Now, many of you will know Deloitte there, obviously a global treasury advisory services, that's what they provide, but they're one of the you know, biggest accounting firms in the world. And, you know, alongside some other big accounting firms, you're one of the big four. So you've got KPMG, EY, Pricewaterhouse, and again, Deloitte. So you can look at that. But actually, Eric's relatively fresh to Deloitte. He had a many-year career through Ingram Micro. And, you know, so we've, we've talked about that, you know, and we'll talk about that on the show. And he can perhaps explain what Treasury was like there. Ingram Micro, again, technology supply chain company. As always, enough of me wittering on. Let's get Eric, who's a native Belgian. He can actually explain a bit more about his background, about how he first ever discovered finance, then into banking, and then discover the wonderful world that is Treasury. So, Eric, enough from me whispering on. Over to you, sir. Talk us through your career, if you would. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me on this podcast. Yeah, my, my career, I actually started in banking after doing what is in Belgium called commercial engineer as a, as a degree at college. And it's really kind of degree for people that don't know what they want to do after they finish high school because it combines economics and engineering. Now, I, I don't think I ever did anything with engineering, but if someone wants to ask me how a nuclear power plant works, I think I can I can still explain it. But I started first in banking and in what at the time, and this is going to kind of age me, but at the time were the new financial products, which mm-hmm. were the currency swaps and the futures and the forward rate agreements. And I was looking after kind of the back office for, for those products. But after some time, I wanted to do something else, went into treasury. In Belgium at the time, we had what was called the coordination centers, which was a way for Belgium to get international companies to invest in the country. It attracted probably at its heyday, maybe 200 to 300 large international corporates, and they put their treasury centers and regional headquarters and in-house banks and what have you in Belgium. And I worked for Sandoz, who, who had started a coordination center, and we started working on centralizing flows, mainly for their Benelux activities mm. and centralizing cash flows. But the it was a great school. It was a great way of learning what cash management was all about, notional pooling, ZBA pooling, and all of that stuff. That was kind of sort of invented in, in Belgium at, at that time. But I wanted to do more than just call it Benelux treasury. Right. And I, I moved to Ingram Micro and international or global technology distribution center or distribution company, I should say. Mm. And Ingram had a European-wide coordination center, which was at the time was 10 countries. And we centralized treasury for 10 countries, being cash management and foreign exchange hedging. And we, we acted as their in-house bank for, for the companies they had across Europe. Mm. And then tell, the, tell us just a bit more about Maybe Ingram Micro, so you're acting as the, the bank there. Some people won't know the company, but they might have heard of it. How did Treasury operate? You know, because I had a chat earlier with Todd Yoda uh, with Blue Oil Corporation and they were construction. And, you know, we were talking about some of the 
ways that affected treasury and the flows, if you like, because it's a physical product and actually the FX was moving around. When we were also talking to him and, you know, earlier on he was with Zimmer, so Zimmer Frames and Orthopedics, quite different sort of dials, if you like, on treasury activity and things. With yourself and with Ingram, you know, what was the sort of treasury ethos, if you like, if that's the right way to describe it? So Ingram Micro is a technology distribution company and works with large numbers of relatively small companies across the world, but I was a European treasurer, so across Europe. So it is very important to have your banking structure set up so that you can collect from relatively small companies, but on the other hand, works with large suppliers and and so has large payments to suppliers go out. But it's very capital intensive, so it, it was very important for us to be able to get the collections that come in daily from all of your customers quickly into bank accounts, central bank accounts through cash pooling structures, and then back out to the suppliers to make supplier payments. So the flow of cash, yeah, the flow of cash was really important. So we had all kinds of cash management tools, zero balance tools, notional pooling. Those are the things we set up at, at Ingram to be able to manage our treasury from the European hub. The other thing that we did was the, on the hedging side, lots of products in the technology space are paid in dollars right. towards our suppliers. But on the other hand, working with large numbers of smaller resellers, those all need to get their invoices in local currency. So we had a natural exposure, short dollars, long local currencies. And this was at the time that there were still Deutschmarks and pesetas and francs and so on. So we constantly had to convert uh, currencies and, 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 and do the hedging. And we did all of that centrally. So we had a cash pooling model set up where we could quickly convert cash, move the cash into a in-house bank, and from there out paid the, ma- the major suppliers around, uh, around the world. So as you became the European treasurer, you were going through, and Ingram Micro was going through a rapid period of growth, you know, in terms of revenue, in terms of responsibilities, as the company got bigger and bigger. Obviously, as a treasurer, you were coping with that as well as your day job and this growth. What was that like, you know, existing through that period as you grew sort of thing? Yeah, I think it was a period that the technology industry went through fast growth and we needed to have our tools and cash management tools set up to to cope with that growth. Part of that growth was through acquisitions. So it's a matter of of quickly kind of integrating acquired companies into an overall structure and again, not leaving idle cash on bank accounts and and making sure it just moves fast into your in-house bank. So we, we dealt with that by moving people into partner banking structures and, and, and changing uh, bank relations whenever we acquired companies and making sure we, we had the team and the technology to, to deal with, with growth. So we had a treasury management system that could kind of grow with us. We communicated and we, we started using, at one point, we started using SWIFT to communicate with our banks. So it, it's setting up the structure to make sure you can easily add on new countries when you do acquisitions. And then the company itself was fairly quickly in integrating new acquired companies into the group and into its structures. And then also having the debt facilities to make sure that you could fund the growth because, like I said, technology distribution is a, is a capital-intensive business. And you talk there, obviously, this technology, technology, and, we're, we're, you know, a lot of the people we're talking to now, are, you know, we talk about automation, robotics, and, and all those things. That aside, when we're talking about, you're saying about Swift, and most people within Treasury and Finance will have heard of that, but you know, again, taking this back, this was sort of 15, 20 years ago, and you were in the, 
birth of technology within Treasury in some ways. And you've obviously seen technology go through that transformation and help you as a treasurer. But where were you in that evolutionary arc, if you like? What was that? And what impact did that make on you and the Treasury team sort of thing? Yeah, we tried to be innovative. Now, on the other hand, I was working for a business with relatively small margins and mm, yeah. and, and very cost conscious. So you have to have the right balance between, on one side, trying to manage your information, get your information fast, and on the other hand, doing it in a way that doesn't break the bank either as far as costs are concerned. But fairly early on, we always had a banking platform whereby we could look at bank account balances across Europe. Later on, when I became the global treasurer across the world, but but definitely across Europe, so that, that we knew what the bank account balances were, so that we could take action and pull money. So that helped us. Later on, we had our own SWIFT address and, and then were able to to get information in and, and payment information out through mm-hmm. using that SWIFT address. But before that, we used one bank to centralize the information through MT940s, which is SWIFT's message format for, for mm-hmm. bank account data. And, and then on the payment side, we, we like to centralize payments as much as we could so that we, we had control on payments. And we, we had the advantage at the time that we used one global platform as far as ERP was concerned, so that the payment files that we needed to send to the bank to pay our suppliers kind of had the same format across Europe, so that we didn't have to worry too much about connecting different ERP systems. And then your role, you went through a couple of different positions there with Ingram, because you had, you know, again, for the people listening, you, you know, 20 plus years or 20 odd years there, you know, just again, for the listeners, you went through these other roles within business analysis and CFO and and then you were the VP and treasurer. Talk us through that sort of career progression, just in a whistle yeah. stop way. You know. No, I, I, I think it's important that, I mean, the career in treasury, and I love doing treasury, but I think it doing some other functions within a finance organization is enriching hmm. in, in a progression as a treasurer. So... I did business analysis for some time, which was all about analyzing and doing business cases around potential merger candidates or acquisition candidates. We looked at CapEx. We looked at explaining our organization, what uh, return on working capital was. And and that was at the period that uh, things like return on working capital, return on invested capital were kind of the, the hot topics. And we in the business analysis team were explaining those concepts and kind of making sure that our operating businesses around uh, Europe at the time were were using those concepts in their decisions in how they allocated working capital to mm. to the different businesses that they were running. And then I was for some time the CFO of what we call the Pan-European Business Unit, which was uh, one of the, the, the companies within the Inger microgroup in Europe. And I just found it enriching as a treasurer to see how essentially how the business operates and what the constraints are that a business controller or CFO or whatever you call it, someone who's running the operations from a from a finance point of view, what kind of things they deal with in their interaction with Treasury, which afterwards when I then became the corporate treasurer and moved to the US, helped me in understand what the constraints are. I mean, from a corporate treasury point of view, you kind of have your ideas on how the world needs to work. But sometimes it's also interesting to know how the real world works. <laughs> so that it's kind of easy from a corporate treasury point of view to say, well, I want everyone to work with the same bank around the world, but that might not be how the operations need to have their, their bank relations set up. Yeah. So so I think that 
it was about six years that I left Treasury and did uh, went through those two, two roles, business analysis and business unit CFO. And it, it helped me better understand the constraints that the business had, because in the end, you can develop the world's best Treasury organization. If it doesn't serve the need of your actual operations, it's not worth developing it yeah. because... It, you, you always have to understand. In the end, the business has to sell the product to the to the customers, and treasury is a support function. is is not the, the core is is always the commercial side of, of any kind of operation. Yeah. So on one of our previous shows, we had Mark from Johnson Controls, the global treasurer, who has now recently been made that move to the number one role, as it were, and he had some commonality. He's originally himself from Belgium. Then he made the move to Milwaukee. He went Milwaukee to Singapore, which I know you had some exposure to yourself. And then mm-hmm. he said, oh, we want you back in Milwaukee. So he did that. And now eventually, and congratulations to him, he, he got the global treasurer position. And it's great news. You were then in a similar way. You were you know, Belgian by background or things like that. Or you know, just, just perhaps explain for the listeners that move from Europe to the US and you know how that changed you and... And also what it was like as a treasury experience for you, having come from Europe. Yeah, no. I so first of all, moving from rainy Belgium to sunny <laughs> Southern California was nice. was like a no brainer for me. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah, it elevated me from. I mean, having been a regional treasurer and and I, I, I spent a year in Singapore looking after the Asia Pacific treasury there as well. But it elevated me from being a regional treasurer to, to the corporate treasury position. It's then less about the regional treasury stuff and the and the cash management. So I started learning other things that I wasn't exposed to before. Before, when I was a regional treasurer, yeah. things such as managing more from the corporate side, the, the relation, the corporate relationships with with the banks. The what I found really interesting is the relationship with the rating agencies and 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 seeing how rating agencies look at the world. And then I also added risk management and insurance to my role, which I I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. So that was managing the company's insurance portfolio, which, which was new. And the other that I found exciting thing was having being able to have an, an impact to things like policies and procedures out of from a corporate point of view and then working on things with like uh, share purchases which is more a corporate function and you don't you're not, not exposed to from a, a regional point of view and then the interaction with the board which I also found very exciting to see yeah. how the board looks at corporate finance as a whole and in treasury in, in particular and with the contrast maybe between European treasury and U.S. slash global treasury, if you like, or that that shift. I know that when I've spoken to some of my clients, you know, we've done work with Chanel and we've done work with Nike and Duracell, and the the focus on cash, which I know is a big thing for you, and that's we were talking before the show, and that's a passion of yours, and you know, the release of cash. Do you see that as a a different sort of emphasis or spotlight? You know, if you're looking at Europe, you're very and we mentioned earlier FX focus and everything else, but more, you know, it's about the cash. And you talked about the the cycle of cash and getting it into the bank account. That's the start, not the finish. Perhaps describe is there a contrast, would you say, between Europe and US and then cash itself, sort of thing? What what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think when I when I was looking at cash management, and like you said, I always think that from from a treasury point of view, cash management is really important because the the sales cycle for me doesn't end when the customer pays money on on the bank account. That's it. The sales cycle ends when that cash that's on the bank account is used to pay down debt. When I looked at it from from just as a regional treasurer, I wanted to keep my interest expense low and and reduce cash to the corporate function and or to the regional function and mm-hmm. and pay down debt. When you look at it from a from a corporate point of view, I had a much more focus on things like debt to EBITDA because that was one of the drivers of of our rating and that's the discussion you have with rating agencies is around mm-hmm. debt to EBITDA and and it it was less about keeping the interest costs down and of course that's still important but it was also how does how does our balance sheet look on a global level and and how, what can you do and and reduce cash to keep your debt low and present a debt to EBITDA number that is within the range that rating agencies set for for any given industry or, or specific company. So I looked at it probably more holistically. You, you can then look at how cash is managed across the world as well, which is not always the same from country to country because payment instruments are different. In Europe, we probably do a lot more things with wires and ACH payments or low value payments, while in the US, you have to deal with collecting checks, which is still a thing that that we do here in the US. People still write checks for personal and business reasons. Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to get efficient in in clearing checks and the time it takes to clear a check and, and get the money on the bank account. So the perspective is a little bit different, but I, I think I could look at it more holistically and, and saw the corporate impact much more around, like I said, things like balance sheet ratios and how you could improve it by doing better cash management. Yeah. And with you, just going back to, you know, or looking at that role as the VP and treasurer corporate, you know, for the group, how many were in the team and on an individual's basis? What were you like as a, a boss? Obviously, perfect, I'm imagining. Yeah, the most inspirational. Absolutely. Of, the <laughs> of course, we're going to say that, right? Between yeah. side, you, know, what, you know, managing big teams, global teams, you had a very international background. You know, what was your ethos behind doing that? I try to speak to my my colleagues around the world in a very frequent basis, help them out with, try to give them a corporate view of things when, when sometimes you have to change policies, make changes to things that may or impose bank, bank relations, maybe things that are not what the local guys want to hear. So I, I try to have a frequent dialogue and explain the corporate view in, in things that I did. Now, one of the things I did, and which was maybe not so good from, from my colleagues around the world, but I when, when I looked at things from a corporate point of view, we started centralizing treasury on a corporate level right. in the sense that it was part of the sort of the political climate within the company that created that opportunity, we started centralizing treasury and run treasury on a from a global level. I think the technology was ready to do that and the environment was ready to do that. And we built a global team, which which kind of shrank my overall team and the, the colleagues I had around, around the world. But we were able to be a lot more efficient in global cash management by running it out of one team globally rather than the traditional decentralized teams where we had a European treasury an Asia-Pacific treasury team and a Latin America treasury team and, and, a, and a U.S. or North American corporate treasury team. Mm. Then as far as I'm, how, how I interact with people and, yeah, and how, how I like to, to work with, with my group, I, there's something I picked up recently. I was, I was watching something on Netflix, but it struck me. Someone said uh, when you manage a team, 
we always talk about you have to be a coach for your, your team members. And they said, no, you shouldn't be a coach. You should be a captain of the team because the coach stands on the sidelines and the captain sits in the, stands in the field and directs the team from the field. And I felt I was a more, more of the captain of a team than the coach of the team. I'd like to be part of the team, be in the field. And that doesn't mean that I'm the only one scoring the goals. You have to allow the other team members to score a goal every now and then. But you have to, you have to be on the field and direct them in to where they go. Mm-hmm. rather than stand on the sidelines. I found that always, that kind of always driven me. And then more recently, you know, as we people will see on your LinkedIn profile and things like that, so you had many, many years with Ingram Micro and be then made a move to Deloitte. How did that come about? Or you're over in California, you know, great part of the world, but what what led to the move on and, you know, what tell us about Deloitte maybe and your role there? Yeah, no, I had a great opportunity to move to Deloitte and be a treasury advisor. So rather than now running treasury, I'm advising people in how to organize their treasury. One of the things we do at Deloitte is that we have a, call it treasury outsourcing, although we don't like to call it treasury outsourcing, but we have a function where we can run day-to-day cash management, bank account positioning in cash management on behalf of corporate. So I found that a very interesting opportunity to, yeah. to help implement that as a solution. So it's a way to take some of the day-to-day activities around cash management out of the company and, and kind of outsource it and, and do it and have it done by a, by a team of professionals that help with paying attention to day-to-day cash management. I, I, I do see sometimes companies that don't have the, the time or the, the resources to look daily at bank accounts and manage cash. And it goes back to reducing idle cash and making sure that you, you, you keep your cash balance as optimal as possible. Mm. So we have the capability of doing that on behalf of our clients. And then the other thing I do is just help people organize their cash structures. And this is like one of the projects I'm working on right now is a divestiture where I'm helping to set up a treasury team. And this is opening bank accounts, help with opening bank accounts, help with connecting their ERP system to bank portals and just helping them develop a, a treasury function. Mm. So after spending more than 10 years as a corporate treasurer, I, I find it really very exciting to be able to help organizations, large and small, in in optimizing their, their treasury structure and helping them set up and be better in, in global cash management and hedging and all the other functions that you have within within a treasury environment. So Eric, one of the passions you talked about before the show and we, we discussed was about cash itself and that when it arrives in the bank and it's there, a lot of people then, that's it, that's the end of the journey. And you talked about it more, that's the start of the journey from there for you and, and the making the efficient utilization and get that moving. Can you describe that for, you know, again, some of the listeners so they might think about that in their treasury lives as well? Yeah, sure. So think think about the business cycle. Hmm. You you sell a product, you, you buy it from your supplier, you sell the product, you ha- you send an invoice to your client, and and then you worry for thirty days: is the client going to be able to pay me? And you because you have a credit risk on that on that client. But then after the thirty days or forty five days or whatever the terms are, the client puts the money on the bank account, wires the money into the bank account, and then ninety nine percent of the business says, "Okay, we're done. We've we've achieved what we have to do. We've made our profit." And the money is 
in a bank account. I think that's when the trader says, well, no, the cycle isn't done because as long as I haven't been able to pay down the debt that I incurred when I when I paid the supplier, the cycle isn't closed and, mm-hmm. and you're incurring interest expenses. So I think that that's the last part and that's what the trader should be worrying about or should spend their time on. How can we get the money fast from wherever the client paid it? And maybe for some reason you have it in a, in, in a bank account that's not your core bank account or it sits in a country where it doesn't need to be sitting. I think, and what I, I like to focus on is how can we improve and, and, and speed up to get the cash from where it sits and where the client has paid it to where it's useful again for the company. And that can be useful because we can pay other suppliers with it or useful because we can we can pay down debt or invest it. And if the company is cash rich, invest it and it starts producing money. And, and even with the days in low interest rates, that can still be an opportunity to, to invest in. So I, I have always been focused on, as part of treasury function, how fast can you get the money back from being somewhere and sitting as idle cash on the bank account to where it, it can be effectively used. And like I said before, you can pay down debt with it. It improves your, your debt to EBITDA ratio. And it's an, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that you just do at the end of the quarter to make your balance it look nice, but it's an it's an ongoing thing, and it it does provide a, a benefit to the company if you build your systems and build your structures so that you can get the cash back to where it's useful to the company as fast as possible after your client has paid it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we got to as you say, we you know we talked about the fact you're with Deloitte. So if anyone wants to you know connect to you via say LinkedIn, we'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, but. Looking back over your career and someone's listened to today's show and they've looked at your LinkedIn profile and they said, do you know what? I want a career like that. That's something that I really am interested in or want to sort of follow in the footsteps. What's the sort of key takeaway pieces of advice on more of a personal level you might give to, you know, whether they're treasure analysts, managers or other treasurers that are looking and saying, oh, that's an interesting move and things like that. What, what sort of are the top pieces of advice you would give those guys? So, first of all, I think the treasurer is the face of the company towards the financial institutions. So, I, I, I think, and I've always found that very important. I mean, the treasurer is not a salesperson, but in the end, he is selling the company hmm. to the financial institutions. Because So, I, I think you the foster relationships with your, your banking environment. I think that that's always been very important. You, hmm. you are really, as a treasurer or as someone in a treasury team, you, you are representing the company towards a very important relationship, especially in, in the environments I usually are always worked on in was where we were needing money and we, we, mm. the banks were funding us and you, you have revolving credit agreements and other debt facilities. So it is important to see yourself as the face of the company towards towards the outside world as far as financial institutions is concerned. Yeah. The other thing that I often hear colleagues say when when people come with a question they say oh it's not treasury you go somewhere else i'm i'm <laughs> it, it's not a treasury question here and and i think that's wrong i'm not saying that the treasurer should expand their roles and become everything but 
But I think as a treasurer, you're you're part of an, the finance community and, and don't shy away from expanding your role of things that are maybe at first glance kind of adjacent to treasury, but in the end, create value if, if you do them and if you, you do them within, within a, a treasury function. Of course, always be aware of things like segregation of duties and control. I think that's very important within a treasury function where you have signatory rights over bank accounts. You can buy... Uh, hedging instruments and stuff like that. You you have to think about segregation of duties and controls. But on the other hand, I think it, it's Treasury should not be the back office organization somewhere in a in a little room that, where everyone knows kind of that you're there, but has no idea what you're what exactly you're doing. I was in my role. I've always interacted with Ingram's vendors every now and even with Ingram's customers. And I think as a, as a trader, you're just representing the company and you shouldn't limit your role to just moving money from A to B. It can be, it can be wider than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lastly, to be open to other opportunities and don't be afraid to, to temporarily leave treasury and do something else and grow your, your knowledge base and find a way back. Spending some time uh, like I did as a as a as a CFO, is is enriching and makes you a better treasurer afterwards. Awesome. Well, so in summary, I'm, I'm scribbling notes as I sometimes do. So focus on the relationships, be driven by those, and be that effective representative for treasury. Don't exist in an ivory tower. I.e., be open to other areas and interfacing because by doing that, you, as you say, you create value by helping others, which is fantastic. And I, well, as as exactly as I expected from Eric on a, a a windy, wet Friday afternoon in the UK. Unfortunately, the sun is probably shining in California, and you're just sitting there thinking, "Margaritas later." Yeah, we're a bit chillier. So, uh, no, fantastic to, fantastic to talk to you, sir. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for, for your time. What we'll do is we'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes and people can connect to you from there and talk to you about Deloitte and what you might be able to offer. And uh, it's been great to talk to you today. Thanks for your time. Thank you. 